Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning, and I tell you what, if you're not going to be spending time outside today, I don't know when you would. It is going to be beautiful. Temperature's going to be in the 80s. It's going to be sunny. It's going to be gorgeous. The mountains are going to be warm if you want to head up there. We got a lot to cover today. You know, but speaking of sunny and warm, I know we just had a nice amount of rain, and boy, did we need it. But the fire danger is going to come back very quickly. We still have dry conditions. We need more rain yet. So be careful. Get out in and out. Enjoy the outdoors. But be extremely careful about the fire danger. We don't want to have any more uh, tragedies like we've had over the last few years. And we don't want to destroy any of our resources. You know, the sunny and warm weather over the next few weeks, we're going to see the warm water species fishing for numbers take off. And we're going to cover that later in the show more in the second hour. We're also going to see the the trout for lakes in lakes up in the mountains really should just get energized. And we've got some openings to talk about during the show, some new places you'll be able to get to for the, for the year. And uh, it's just going to be a good time of the year. It's going to be great. Now, runoff's coming. The rivers in some places could get a little blown out. We'll mention that today, but we probably won't spend too much. But next week, I think we'll concentrate on that a little. So let's go to the phones right now. And uh, joining us, he's the state director for CAST, which is an incredible event for uh, uh, disadvantaged and challenged, challenged kids. And that's Bill Wilson. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Terry, and everyone else. How are you this morning? Isn't it a beautiful day out, Bill? Oh, I'll tell you, I work up at Horsetooth Mountain Park where everybody hikes up to the rock. And uh, we are so blessed today to have beautiful skies and beautiful, like you said, very warm already. No W-I-N-D, and we won't say that word out loud. But we are just uh, jam-packed up here with a lot of people really enjoying this beautiful day. Uh, We live in a beautiful state. And you, my friend, have been giving to this state for a long time. You're involved in an operation called CAST. Uh, what, what, tell, tell people out there exactly what CAST is. All righty. I'm excited to do that because it's coming up June 4th. Uh, CAST is, stands for Catch a Special Thrill. And uh, CAST has been around for 31 years. And uh, we started here in Colorado, the Colorado Bass Nation, along with a few other uh, organizations such as Larimer County. Uh, we co-host this event. This is our 27th year up here at Horsetooth. And uh, our basic mission is to just enrich the lives of these special needs children and support their families. And, and it really strengthens our communities whenever we do this. And uh, we get them out for a, a day out outdoors and uh, just to outdoor recreate and boat and fish. We do this with about uh, 45 special needs children and their families, and we get them out on boats, which is uh, important because it's not just a shore fishing event. So we, we round it up and are very dependent on our volunteers, especially the volunteer boaters who come from all over the state for this event so that we can uh, provide a safe time, but a great time for people to go outdoors and really see what their child likes and see what their child can do. So I always call them differently abled because they can do a lot of things. 
And uh, this is just one day of getting them outdoors and, and, and just really recognizing them and celebrating their lives and their families. Yeah, you know, seeing uh, somebody who's maybe a little physically challenged or challenged in other ways or maybe is having a rough time in their life, seeing the smile on their face when they catch a fish, is it's, it's just one of the most incredible experiences, isn't it? You know, Terry, you hit the nail on the head. If everybody remembers uh, their first fish or if they haven't caught one, hearing people about the fish stories, it's just an incredible experience, and it's something that these children might not ever have a chance to do that if we didn't introduce them to the outdoors. And to date, we've already helped over 25,000 families get outdoors, and I've even had three of those families have bought pontoons because their children had such a great time, and, boy, they wanted to offer their boat to other children, too. So it's just uh, it's really multiplied here in northern Colorado. I think it's the best event that we have up here. And I've got some new news for you. We are trying to establish a new event down in the Denver area next year. Wow, that'll be fantastic. We'll get to all that. First of all, um, I guess it's June 4th. Is the event full for this year, or are there still any openings to, for somebody to take part? As of yesterday morning, I had 39 children signed up. But we do start a waiting list, and we if we have the boats, we will allow a few more children to, to come on board. Uh, our participants are typically from 6 to 18 years old. But some of our children started with us in 1997 are still here and still come to this event every year. So they've aged with us, and uh, one in particular is wheelchair-bound, but he's been here every year except the two years we – he he couldn't come one year, but the other year was 2020 whenever we didn't hold the event. So other than that, we've done it for 27 years, though. So what is the process if somebody right now wants to sign up get on the waiting list, maybe get in this year, but for sure maybe try to get in next year. Is there a website or something they go to, Bill? You bet, Terry. So it's castforkids.org, and that will take them to the home site there of Cast for Kids. And uh, then they just uh, find the horse tooth event, and they can register there. The participants can register on that line, and also the boaters and we also need shore volunteers, too. It takes a lot of people to make a safe, fun event for this many children. Now, let's go through that. We, you, uh, you, do you still need boaters? I need boaters. I need some pontoon boats, especially, because they, they fit in so well. They're easy to fish off of. We can take the wheelchair bound on a pontoon really well. And uh, so I'm, I'm really needing a lot of pontoon boats. We've got several coming, but I like to get about 10 or 12 because they can take a whole family out. Uh, every participant will have a caregiver with them, either a, a caregiver or a parent or guardian, somebody that knows the medical issues so that the boater doesn't have to worry about that. And we supply everything, including the continental breakfast, water, and uh, power aids and, and uh, drinks and all that, plus a great big luncheon that's uh, catered by Nordy's Barbecue up here, which is a real known, uh, real well known barbecue. And uh, so it, it's a it's a giant event, but it's the most fun event I think in northern Colorado. 
Now, if somebody wants to volunteer as a boater, or you said you need shore volunteers because there's a lot going on, getting people launched, getting things out there, getting the lunch prepared, uh, supporting the families from the shore, do they go to the same website to sign up for that? Yes, they do. And then the shore volunteers will be directed to Sign Up Genius. Uh, the other people are done. Once they register, they're done. The uh, shore volunteers can pick and select some of the tasks that they want to do that day, uh, kind of job-specific. And uh, that way we can know who's going to be there and, and their jobs beforehand because it is um, it's a busy day. We start at 6 o'clock for volunteers, participants at 7.30. We fish till about 11, and then the big barbecue luncheon, and then an award system uh, ceremony and every child will receive a rod and reel combo a tackle box full of tackle from all of our local sponsors and they also get a t-shirt a hat and many other prizes some real special toys they get to pick out and surprises from shields uh, they had a, a, a just a monster table load of toys and each child gets to pick one of those out so it's a fun yeah. event for everybody you know, it's such a special event and such a thrill. I'll get back in a minute to giving the information. People, if you're a boater and you can help out, if you're a volunteer and you want to help out, just seeing seeing the rewards. I shared with you a story when we were talking on the phone earlier in the week about when I helped in a similar event with Craig Hospital. And I won't go through the story because this isn't about me, but what what I got personal satisfaction out of seeing that young wheelchair-bound man young man, the joy he experienced catching a fish has never left me. And that was probably 30 years ago. It was just fantastic. So I really, really, uh, I, I just know what this can do for people. This can change you and change your outlook on life and humanity. And it just can put a smile on so many kids face. A couple of things before we go, Bill, I want to get the information from you again, but before we do that, since you're, you hang around horse tooth a lot and you fish there and you're a, an accomplished bass fisherman, are you seeing any, any good bites or any tips you can give people who are heading out to fish this weekend? You know, Terry, the water is warming up up here at horse tooth quite a bit. And even though it's filling, it's still staying warm. And I've had some really good, uh, luck with jerk baits this year. Uh, sometimes the jerk bait bites not, quite as strong as it is this year has just been phenomenal and it still is i went out thursday and uh rounded up about 18 smallmouth and it's just been phenomenal year for jerk baits i think later on you know your plastics will come in and everything by june but throughout may and until these get on beds and uh, the water warms up enough for them to start thinking about multiplying then uh i think probably the jerk bait and swim baits are probably your best two baits up here right now i i couldn't agree they're they're very good baits and we're going to cover that even more in depth in the second hour a little bit with ronnie castiglione but those are great great tips are you catching you know they've started restocking trout in horse tooth are you picking up trout on those jerk baits too a few i was really surprised i found a jerk bait that the bass love and the trout are like, uh, maybe, uh, when the <laughs> trout do bite it, they are just really hitting it hard. But, uh, I, I think you'd be better off with like, uh, swim baits and stuff like that for trout right now up there. The jerk bait there, the trout want it moving. And if you pause it long enough, you'll get a bass 
But if you bring it in just like a crankbait, you will get trout on it too. All right. Now, before we give out the information again, folks, there's something I want to tell you. This uh, this man has been involved in cast for, I think, Bill, about 30 years or more. Is that right? Uh, 27 years now. 27 years he's been involved in cast. And he gives to the community in a lot of other ways. He just doesn't do cast. And he was honored by um, organizations this year. And I believe the honor you got from BASS, the national award, was a, is that the humanitarian award? Is that right, Bill? Uh, yes, sir. And he has the went up on, they gave that out. And he was on stage at the Classic, and they awarded that to him. And it's a very special. This man doesn't, the passion he has for running cast, he approaches his entire community like that. And we're very privileged to have him among us and the things he does. He also got a similar award from Larimer County last year. And Bill, I just want to say thank you. You're so deserving, but you're so giving and what your dedication to the community and these kids is, is just amazing. And folks, if that doesn't inspire you, get out and volunteer. We need boaters and we need shore people to help out with this event June 4th. Bill, tell them the website again. Once again, we just go to castforkids.org and then just look at the horse tooth event and uh, you can sign up there for anything, short volunteer, boater, or participant. All right, let's get lots of boaters. Let's get every one of these kids on the water and a few more if we can. And hopefully this is an event that will continue for a long time. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and thank you for the service you give to these kids in our community. Thank you so much, Terry. And thanks for all that you do for getting everybody inside outdoors. All right. Thanks, Bill. Thank you, Terry. Have a great day and a great weekend, everybody. Happy Mother's Day, especially to the moms of the special needs children. They're 24-7. All right. right. Good point. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Bill. That's Bill Wilson. What a great, great tribute. What a great just if we had more people in the community like that, it would just be a better world. That's all I can say. Sign up, castforkids.org. Let's get these kids out in the water. You won't believe the satisfaction you'll get from it. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to take you to one of the state parks that is one part open, another part opening soon, and we've got fishing going on and lots to talk about. All that and more on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and 104.3 The Fan. listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go to the phones and joining us from the 11 Mile State Park area is Kelly Lewis. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Is it as sunny and beautiful out there today as it is here in the Fort Collins area? It really is. And I'm afraid to not say the four letter wind word, but so far so good. It is very calm today. Yeah, it's funny because our guest the first hour was talking about horse tooth, and they said, I'm not going to say the W-I-N-D word because it's not here right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I think we all got a little worn out by that, didn't we? Yes, yes, and it it appears there's some more in the forecast, so a little reprieve is very welcome. Yes, it really is. Well, let's start out first with the the news. Uh, 11-mile open for boating. Last week and Spinney opens today. Is that right? 
That is correct. So 11 Mile opened on the 30th to boating. It was more of a soft opening. Um, we, as of now, just have the north ramp open. I could give you a little bit of a fishing report if you would like. Um, otherwise, let's, any let's, did open this morning. The, we'll get to the fishing mm-hmm. report in a minute. Let's talk about the boat <laughs> sure. ramp first. Okay, you got it. Uh Spinny, we opened up this morning. It was maybe one of the most busy opening days we've ever had because being a Saturday and uh, a bit later than we historically do. Um, Due to those heavy wind events like we had discussed, there was a ton of debris that was pushed up on the shore that prevented anybody from being able to launch at the boat ramps, and it required special machinery to be able to clear it. So today, the north and the south ramp are open um, and available for boaters. Yeah, and I tell you what, you talked about the lineup and how busy it is. You know, a lot of people don't appreciate that in Colorado, our fishing seasons are open year-round. And I I used to say I grew up in northern Minnesota, but my wife reminds me that I just got older there. I never grew up. (laughs) (laughs) But they have fishing seasons, and their opener will be next weekend. And there's this huge anticipation across the state where everybody goes fishing that day. Even if, it, if it's a, a snowstorm or a tornado or whatever, that day the whole state goes fishing because it's anticipation. The opening of Spinney is really, it's a, you know, it's a more compartmentalized part of the state, but that's about the only real anticipation of an opening we get in the state, and the anglers really do respond to it, don't they? Absolutely, and that's a great way to put it, Terry. It, it's its own cultural event in a sense. Um, people, uh, they come every year, and it's something that people take pride in participating in to the point where they're willing to camp out on the road the night before and get their spot as early as they can. Yeah, it's not even just about, I mean, it's about the fishing, but it's about that event. What's the water level like in both lakes? Is it okay? It is. It's surprisingly better than last year at Spinney. Um, I want to say we were in 50-something percent, 55% last year, uh, which prevented us from being able to allow people to launch boats from the south ramp. So as of now, we're actually doing pretty well. And same with 11 miles. That is tremendous. And, you know, runoff really, ha- it, with this warm weather, it'll probably really take off, which you probably haven't even seen the major runoff yet. Is that correct? I believe that's correct. There's quite a bit of snow still up in the collegiate peaks, so we'll see it coming down soon. Uh, will you guys get to keep any of that water, or is it pretty much passed through? You know, it's it does pass through quite a bit. Um, they have done a pretty good job of trying to maintain water levels so that anglers um, can, and boaters can, can recreate through the summer. So I, I anticipate that so long as we do continue to get rainfall, hopefully, um, we will have a healthy boating season this year. And and before we get to your fishing report, um, there's a difference between spinning and 11 mile. One is an uh, all-encompassing 24-hour place. The other is day use. Kind of explain to people the differences between the two. Absolutely. So... Spinney Mountain State Park is open a half hour before sunrise to a half hour after sunset. So being the night ranger, actually, that's what I'll be doing tonight. I will be locking that gate um, after every boat is out and we open it in the morning. So it requires quite a bit of uh, manpower. um, And this has to do with an agreement with Aurora Water. So Denver Water is actually the entity that uh, owns 11 mile state park and our contract allows for 
um, but we do also have to open and close the boat ramps, but people can stay on the park at 11 Mile. So we have 368 campsites um, and a lot of different interpretive pro- programs and activities going on for the summer that I'll, I'll talk to you about here soon as well at 11 Mile. Yeah, and 11 Mile, you, you do have camping year-round. It's all on the reservation system, I believe. Is that right? That's correct. It's on the reservation system. Theoretically, you could show up at a site if it is um, not yet reserved and call right then and there to reserve it if you were passing through or something of that nature. Um, But the best bet would be to plan in advance and get a reservation to make sure you get your favorite site. Now, you said you have some interpretive programs going on 11 Mile. What kind of things do you like to do in the summer there? Sure do. So we are actually kicking off a pretty rich interpretive schedule this year. Um, Among these are roving programs. So you'll see uh, one of our educators moving through the campgrounds and bringing the programs to uh, the visitors for Leave No Trace. Um, Bear Aware programs, which includes a bear skin and skull and just discussing how Visitors can prevent bears from coming to their campsites and prevent wildlife conflict. And we're also trying to become a dark sky certified park. So we're going to be having some telescope nights and um, we will be coming to talk to folks about uh, the the stars in the night sky at 11 mile um, and trying to turn our lights off to appreciate that. Um, So, yeah, I think the archery... The archery clinics um, that we're about to have, I think, are are important as we're about to be opening an archery range on the park. So we're trying to diversify the recreation that's available at 11 Mile. Um, Absolutely, the fishing is phenomenal, but we want there to be a lot of opportunities for people and for, for kids as well. It just sounds fantastic. Now, every we're going to run out of time in a couple minutes, and everybody's on sure. the edge of their seat going, let her talk about the fishing. They're going, you got it. <laughs> so yeah. we, better, we better talk about it. Now, we don't have any reports from Spinney yet because well, okay. it just barely opened, but what are you seeing at 11 Mile over the last week? So the water temperature is pretty cold, so it's been a bit slow. However, from the anglers I've been speaking to who've been catching, it sounds like near the inlet at about 20 feet deep, um, people are having some success from the boat, as well as between Witcher's Cove and Deer Island at about the same depths. And, of course, the classic gold cast master or white tube jig and mealworm seem to be the, what people are getting uh, success with this week. And we should differentiate real quick that at at 11 sure. mile, you can use bait, but at Spinney, it's artificials only. And Spinney is, Spinney is, uh, I believe, a gold medal. If not, it's certainly a trophy trout in pike water. Um, are you anticipating a good trout season at uh, Spinney this year? Absolutely. Um, you're correct. It is gold medal water, and it's artificial flies and lures only, catch and release only at Spinney. So above Spinney, the weir, it's called the Spinney Weir on the South Platte, people are allowed to fish that on, up until the closure line before Spinney opens. So fly fishermen have had quite a bit of success there in the last two weeks. Um, mostly cutbow spawners are hitting and browns, um, and they're hitting on salmon egg patterns that are being dragged on the bottom. All right. Well, those are two great resources in the state, and with both 11-mile and Spinney ready to go, I'm sure you're going to have 
plenty of visitors, especially with this good weather. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us and for that update. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me, Terry. You bet. It was great, great information. Thank you, Kelly. That's uh, my pleasure. That's, you bet. Happy Holiday, everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. That's Kelly Lewis from 11 Mile and Spinney Parks. Great resources, folks. If you haven't been up there, even just driving around looking, get a parks pass and go check out the parks in Colorado. We have so many great resources. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to talk about wildlife photography on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Kevin Konachek. Did I get the last name right, Kevin? Yeah, Konachek. That's right. Yeah. All right. Thanks for joining us. You know, you're a passionate outdoor wildlife photographer, and your pictures have ended up uh, they get featured in Colorado Outdoors, among other publications. Before we even get into it, what made you so passionate about outdoor wildlife photography? Well, it all started uh, my my whole life. Um, I've been really passionate about animals. Um, my grandpa, he owns a ranch in uh, Buena Vista, Colorado, and uh, there'd be deer, antelope, elk has his property all the time. And I always loved seeing them. And, and, um, eventually I learned about photography and decided that I wanted to photograph animals. And it's just a really fun thing that I can do all year. It's just like, kind of like hunting, but all year. And I love it. It really is like, uh, taking the right pictures is a lot like hunting all year. But I've always thought that, we should have some kind of contest nationally where we have GPS located photographs of of wild animals that are kind of rewarded almost like a hunt because you, you don't use the resource and at the same time you get the thrill and you can do it year round. There's no season. You know, when you get out there to take photography or take pictures of wildlife, do you, do I need a lot of gear to get started? Do I have, you know, I see people out there with cameras that cost thousands of dollars what do i need to get started so um you don't need to spend a lot of money um to get started you know the money's going to come with time not the really expensive gear when you want to take it further and maybe take it as more of a career but but just to get started you can get a really good camera for 300 to 400 bucks and then you'll want to uh, three at least a three hundred millimeter lens. Um, the bigger the millimeter, the that means the further the zoom. So the closer you'll be able to get with the camera, and um, you, and you can get them used sometimes really good. There's some really good used camera shops and websites, and and you you can you can get a whole setup that you need just a camera, a long lens, and maybe a tripod for. At the most, like nine hundred bucks, if you uh, if you find some good deals. Let's let's talk a little bit about each of those components because I do some photography. I used to write for magazines uh, for several decades and took a lot of my own shots. And people might you know people think, well, I can use my iPhone or my Android phone and I can get good pictures. I love the pictures I take. But let's start with the camera first of all. 
Taking pictures on a phone device is fun. We do it all the time. But you don't have the zoom capabilities. And looking at that screen, you don't have the ability to really see and frame the shot as well, do you? And you can't see the different exposures either, right? Right. Yeah, I know on the phones it kind of has a, like the phone sets your exposure. So it can either be blurry or grainy, where if you have a camera, you have full control of all the settings um, to make sure it's it's a crisp shot that you want. (laughs) And then as far as the longer lens, a 300 millimeter, you know, one of the things uh, you and I didn't talk about when we talked earlier, but that I want to bring up is that when you're really an outdoor photographer, you're spending time out there, you have to respect those animals and not get too close. Don't, don't try to get up there and get a selfie with a bear. I mean, take these pictures from a distance from most times so that you're not, you're going to get better shots if you're not bothering the animals, right? Yeah, exactly. You you definitely want to spot them from a long ways away and and just kind of feel how they are. You know, if they're acting normal, that's great. That's what you want. You want to have that, uh, you know, that natural behavior where you can catch something really cool and, you know, you can, you can move up a little closer, but you gotta, once, once they start noticing you and acting a little different, that's when you want to back up and you want to let things be a little more natural. And then of course the, uh, the tripod, taking a shot, a picture at 200 yards out or, uh, or with a, a long zoom lens or something. If you don't have a tripod, it's almost impossible to frame that shot or keep it from getting blurry, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, depending on the lighting, um, when it's darker, you definitely want to be using the tripod. You'll have to be using a lower shutter speed to have a brighter picture, and that tripod will keep your camera steady and make your uh, picture real sharp. Now, are there good times of the day? Are there uh, not only by animal activity, but light is so important to photography. Are there times of the day when it's better to take wildlife pictures than others? Yeah, you're you're going to want to take pictures towards the beginning and ends of the day as the sun has like an. I, I usually try to shoot like two hours before the sun is either setting or has set or or rising. Um, you know that two hour range between the horizon and the sun being up and really golden light and make sure picture's a lot sharper. The colors are more vibrant. Um, when you shoot in the middle of the day, you can get heat waves and the picture's not as sharp. And a lot of shadow issues during the day, too, aren't there? Right. Yeah, definitely. You, you'll you'll get pictures where their whole faces are in a shadow. If you're not in the right spot, it, it gets a little tough sometimes. Yeah, I we used to do outdoor television for 22 seasons, and a lot of the stuff we had to shoot on video was during the day. And it was very difficult sometimes to get good shots, even close up of people because of the because of the shadows on the faces and things. Now, what about taking a class? I know there's probably a lot of stuff online, but as, as taking a class to get started, because there's a lot of little basics that you really can learn that that really improve your photography, aren't isn't there? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, working hands-on with somebody um, is always really good. Um, I know camera stores will put on um, put on some classes. I remember when I first started, I went to one class with uh, Mike's camera. There's a few of them all over the front range. And um, they're definitely 
will teach you everything you could possibly know about campers. <laughs> you know, and I, I'm going to second that because when I started taking magazine pictures, my first uh, SLR camera, it was, of course, film back then, but I, I took a, a basic class. It, last, it was like, I think it was two or three different days, one day a week for three weeks at a camera store. And boy, it just helped so much. And of course, there's so much online. Got about a minute left. What are some of the most common mistakes people make when they're first starting out taking wildlife photography? Um, people just need to be patient. Don't get discouraged. You see a lot of things, and sometimes you don't see nothing on the day, and some days you'll see a lot of great things. So just be patient and keep at it, and don't get discouraged. All right, and, you know, what's the, I'm going to ask you one more question. What's the favorite shot you ever took? My favorite one, I, I left the house at 1 in the middle of the night, drove up and climbed up a 14er, and I found a goat in the dark, a mountain goat. Sat with him for about two hours. I knew right where the sun was coming up, and I framed the rising sun in between the goat's horns. That's definitely my favorite. Well, you know, you definitely have a passion for it, and it's something that we'd love to see more people getting into it and preserving uh, preserving our wildlife and, and taking pictures. Kevin, thanks for joining us. Really interesting topic. Hey, thank you for having me. You bet. That's Kevin from Parks and Wildlife. We're going to take a time out. We come back. Austin Parr is going to join us in the next few segments. We're going to talk a lot of fishing. And Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Got you down and the world's crashing all around. You can always count on me. You're listening count to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. By the way, that song, Count On Me, on uh, my, uh, my group, Wickstrom and Dobra, that is our number one streamed song. Um, and we're surprised by that. Not that we don't like the song, but we have several up there. Check us out online on streaming or on social media sometime, Wickstrom and Dobra. Let's go to the phones and let's talk some fishing with Austin Parr. Good morning, Austin. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. You know, this warm... Super warm weather these next couple days, then warm, more seasonally warm, and even above that over the next week or so. It's going to change fishing. Some's going to get better. Some's going to change. Don't you agree? I totally agree. And uh, this is that time of year where we always talk about if you're a warm water angler or really an angler anywhere in Colorado, June are your your times to get out. And and we're just starting to to see the bites adjust and get uh, starting to see some casting bites picking up here, and especially after a a week coming up of some pretty warm temperatures that could certainly uh, continue to go in that right direction. You know, I want to, I want to put one out there before we get, I want to talk about the warm water bites and I want to talk about some of the mountain trout because those lakes are opening up. But right now the, the trout that are on the front range, the mostly stock, but some holdover trout, you're going to start running out of time at lower elevations to fish from them from shore because this warm water probably going to move them a little deeper here very soon, don't you think? Totally agree. Uh, water temps, depending upon the time of day that you take them, are still in the 50s but nearing 60 at times. And once that water temperature starts to get above 60, particularly in the morning hours, those trout have a tendency to slide deeper and 
And if you're going to catch them in the middle of the summer, you really have to be prepared to keep some of those fish as well. That warmer water can stress those trout, which definitely do a lot better at those colder temps. And, and it's a lot harder to do catch and release at that point. But then, as you mentioned, they will definitely go deeper. Yep, you're absolutely right. But the flip side of that, and you alluded to it, we're going to get to a point where the warm water fishing, those species, walleye, bass, smallmouth, catfish, crappies, bluegills, all of those are just going to take off more for numbers than size. Not that you still can't catch big fish. You can catch big fish year round, but it's much, it gets much more difficult and you really have to fine tune and know what you're doing. But the numbers of fish and just having action, we should be just starting to get into where that's going to peak here in a few weeks. Don't you agree? Uh Absolutely. So lakes like Cherry Creek right now are still having great lead core trolling bites with some morning casting bites on some blade baits. Uh, swim baits have been doing okay in the early morning as well as uh, starting to see a little bit going on the, the bait bite. Uh, the live leeches are behind schedule this year. A lot of the um, uh, the North Country lakes have just started to ice out right now and, and the leech trappers are just kind of getting after it. So I haven't been able to get those yet, but a few fish on crawlers. But right now, when we're still dealing with uh, these water temperatures just nearing 60 degrees, particularly in some of the southeast lakes, uh, I typically like to look that way for the panfish bite. So the crappie bite at places like John Martin and at Blue Lake, also called Adobe Creek, have started to pick up in a really big way down there. And folks have been catching those guys on, on minnows and then uh, doing a lot of casting of small roadrunners and little Bobby Garland plastics. So that's where I like to look first. But then as we continue on here over the next week or so, those walleyes and saw guys will follow and, and move shallow and become very catchable as well. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Those southeast lakes are, especially with the people we've had out fishing and we've seen more people on the water, if you're willing to make that drive to John Martin and Adobe and some of the lakes down there, I had the biologists on here just a few weeks ago and they're anticipating some really good fishing for crappies white bass sawgye and even largemouth bass and of course catfish down there and you need to check the availability of the boat ramps some of them you're only going to get the noshi and the grandy one you can launch boats one you're going to have to fish from a kayak john martin should be boat launchable they're expecting through the summer hopefully the water is going to hold up but I think it can be some of the best fishing experience in the state, and you get away from the crowds, don't you? I totally agree. And uh, John Martin, from what I'm hearing, is low enough where it's not quite accessible to the trestle, so we're maybe half full at the moment. It's out of the majority of the trees, which offers a lot better shore fishing opportunities than you would normally find. Uh, when that lake is higher, uh, the, the tree growth can become a huge impediment to a shore guy. But right now, there's open shoreline and accessible shoreline on uh, the majority of that lake, and it offers great casting on some of those little bluff walls on the north side for the saw guys and the walleyes, and then getting along some of the riprap of the dam or on the southeast side can be pretty worthwhile for some of the white and black crappies. I have, from a boat, fished some of those riprap areas um, on dams and trestles at John Martin, and I'm from one spot just casting uh, a spot like an eighth ounce jig with a piece of plastic on it, maybe a gulp minnow, maybe a twister tail. I have caught uh, crappie, drum, sawgye, and and uh, others and white bass right from one spot because they're all relating to that riprap at times. It can be a phenomenal fishery. What have you heard yeah, about really Pueblo? Can. 
So Pueblo yeah. is also starting to pick up at the moment. Uh, the thing about Pueblo is we're still just a little bit behind where John Martin is. I'm finding that everything this year is maybe at that week and a half to two weeks behind schedule slightly, but we're going to pick that up pretty quick with some 80-degree temps coming. But uh, a lot of the anglers catching walleyes have been doing decent pulling slow death very slowly um, along the, the southern and southeastern sides around bogs and then in that southern marina type area has been okay. Uh, but then in the back of the coves, a lot of the smallmouth spots have started to move up and are very active in the shallow water. So although the walleye bite over the last week has been a little bit slower, uh, the smallmouth and spotted bass bite has been better. Uh, Sankos and swim baits have both been worthwhile back in there, and a lot of times I like to move and cover some water with some of those swim baits to see if I can actively find some fish. And then once I find a little grouping, I'll switch off to a, a, a slower presentation like a tube or a Ned rig, and then certainly that wacky rig Sanko will work quite well. So if you're looking for some bass and you're open to some multi-species fishing, Pueblo may be a decent option, but if you're just walleye fishing, uh, the numbers might still be about a week out before we really get on to a really, really good bite down there. Before we move on to the, some of the mountain lakes, um, what do you see here about runoff? There's still, as far as I know, there's still a lot of snow up in the mountains. This warm weather, it's going to be very warm in the mountains uh, this next few days, too. Are we going to start to see those rivers start to get muddy and blow out? I would certainly think so. Uh, up on Wednesday, we fished hot sulfur springs, and although it was still fishable, it was beginning to, to become very off-color, even up higher on the Colorado there. So every drainage that you get down from there will become even more off-color once you get past the Williams Fork confluence. And even the muddy water, though, the, the thing I like about it is that it will keep a lot of your, your fishermen that, that are, don't have the confidence in the muddy water away. And the fish are still there. They'll still bite, especially as things get, get higher. They become very predictable. They'll get along the edges, and you can catch them on the fly and on conventional tackle, just working those edges with uh, a little jerk bait like an HD trout. Certainly jigs in the river can be very worthwhile. And then if I'm fishing a fly rod, either working a dark-colored streamer or uh, doing a darker-colored nymph rig, uh, big stone flies, and then mixing in maybe a San Juan worm also will work quite well. But contrary to popular belief, I always have better success in that muddy water on the darker-color options rather than the lighter-colored options. And it can still be very good fishing, but you're certainly right that anything that is not directly below a dam over the next week is going to be off-color for the next several weeks at the very minimum. Yeah, I agree with you about the dark colors, by the way. I think dark colors silhouette and show up so better in dirty water than bright colors, which I think just reflect the mud. Um, we got yeah. about a minute and a half left. The last thing, uh, our North Park looks like they've opened. Have you heard anything from up there? Because now as those rivers do start to discolor, it's a great time for both fly and conventional to start hitting the mountain lakes. What have you heard about North Park? Starting to pick up. I talked to a gentleman who was up there this last week. It basically has just iced out at Lake John. Uh, Delaney Boots has been iced out for just slightly longer, uh, but it's a little bit behind schedule, as we talked about. Uh, it's still a great place to go. Those those fish get up shallow and are very active this time of year. Fishing the lakes right at ice off is definitely the time to do it. And with the large bait fish population with the fathead minnows and the sticklebacks in Lake John, uh, I like to go with something like a goat minnow or a twitch tail minnow. Small jerk baits can also be effective, and we've also done well with tube jigs up there. Now, on the fly side of things, 
chronomids as well as leech patterns along the shallows could be worthwhile. And then back to the, the minnow patterns, a small woolly bugger or a sculptzilla streamer will be effective. And in North Park, it's beautiful because if Lake John doesn't work well, you can switch over to one of the Delaney Butte lakes or even some of the other bodies of water surrounding. And you can have great fishing and typically not very crowded. And it will be before the big mosquitoes uh, come out right now, too. So it, uh, it's a great time to hit it. And I'll tell you what, Lake John still produces some huge fat fish. They're, they can really, the growth rate there is phenomenal. We are out of time, my friend. If people want more information from you, how do they find you? I'm at Discount Fishing Tackle. We're six blocks south of Evans on the west side of Santa Fe. All right. And you and I do need to get on the water very soon together. It's time. Let's do it. All right. Thanks, Austin. Thanks so much, sir. You bet. Austin Parr, great, great resource. Speaking of great resources, we're going to take a time out, and we come back. One of our favorites, Nate Zielinski, is going to join us. And we're not only going to talk about what's going on here. He just got back from a trip. We're going to share some of that with you. All that more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.